So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, which is being produced in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And it's the 10th of February. It's the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our programme is broadcast on Sacred Space, West Limit 102FM, from 10am to 11pm each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on comeandseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com. Or if you open up the buzzsprout.com website and you can search us for Come and See Inspirations or find us there... Or you can also uh, find us on our blog, uh, sacredspace102.blogspot.com, where both of those particular sites you can hear a download of this and, in fact, any other program we've produced here uh, over the years. Our podcast team uh, includes um, this morning, Shane has taken a break, a well-earned break. Shane couldn't join us this morning, but however... We have only gone for the best as a replacement. Lorraine Buckley, good morning to you. How are you? <laughs> good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. I'm not sure if I'm a very good replacement uh, for Shane, but we'll just go anyway. I'm afraid I, I got Lorraine on the hop there today now, and I said, listen, can we do the programme now, please? Have you got the mobile there? So she's on the other end of the mobile. Thanks a lot for joining us, Lorraine. And, of course, where would we do on, on, on this programme without our resident prayer guide? Good morning to you, Annie. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. That's, that's and my rain as well. My dear wife, Anne, joining us this morning. Thanks, Anne. So, as usual, on our program today, we'll include some saints for the week and some little notice, maybe, or two. And we'll also read and reflect on Sunday Gospel. In part two of the program today, uh, actually, I'm joined by a guy called Jared Hanley, who's from the Amas Centre there in Dublin. And Jared shares with me the experience some young people had when they held an event there a few weeks ago to coincide with World Youth Day 2019, just a few weeks ago. So if you want to contact us uh, with any um, comments, um, suggestion, uh, or anything at all in regarding the programme, you can text us by on 87 That's 87 Or you can contact us uh, on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So, at this part of the programme, Lorraine, you might be able to do your bits and pieces this morning in regard to the saints in the absence of Shane. Thank you. No problem at all, John. We have some great feast days and some great saints coming up. Tomorrow, Monday, the 11th of February, we have two great feasts. We have the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, and we also have the feast day of an Irish saint, Saint Godmet. So, it's also the World Day of the Sick. And in his message for the 27th World Day of the Sick, Pope Francis urges believers to promote a culture of generosity, noting that the joy of generous giving is a barometer of the health of a Christian. So we want to kind of take a test to see how well we're doing as Christians, see how easy it is or how joyful we are in giving to others. Pope Francis says that those who care for the sick and give of themselves with generosity and straightforward love, like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, are amongst the Church's most credible evangelizers. In other words, they spread the news, they spread the good news of Jesus. Of course, established in 1993 by St. John Paul II on the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes, a different city is chosen each year to host the World Day of the Sick, And this year they've chosen Calcutta in India and Pope Francis has highlighted the figure of St. Teresa of Calcutta as a model of charity who made God's love for the poor and sick visible. 
Now, to go back to St. Gubnus, she was a 6th century Irish saint. Uh, local traditions connect St. Gubnus with bees, with Ballyvornia in County Cork, and we care for the sick. So it's a happy coincidence that her feast is on the World Day of the Sick. In her youth, she went to the Aran Islands to study the monastic life with St. Enda, and there's a church dedicated to her, Kilgobnet, on the Inishir. But an angel told her that this was not to be the place of her resurrection, her death, and she should tour Ireland until she found a place where she found nine white deer grazing. On her travels, she's said to have founded churches at Dunquin in County Kerry and Dungarvan in County Waterford. But it was in Ballyvornia in County Cork that she eventually found the nine white deer grazing. She set up a monastery there with the help of St. Aban, and there are many uh, miracles which she worked there. She's also the patron of iron workers. Um, we can know that from two reasons, from her name itself, because Gobba, from Gawa, meaning Smith in Irish. And also when they excavated her church, um, they found considerable evidence of iron working on the site. Um, she's also remembered for her care of the sick. And in the churchyard at Ballyvorney, many discarded crutches show that people believed they were cured through her intercession um, by answering her prayer, their prayers. On the 12th of February, Tuesday, we have St. Buonfilio Monaldo. He was one of seven Florentines who had joined the Confraternity of the Blessed Virgin, uh, the Laudesi, in a particularly lax period in the city's history. Uh, they were inspired by a vision on the Feast of the Assumption to take up a life of solitude and prayer. And after nearly 15 years of austerity at a hermitage at Monte Scenario, he took the name of Servants of Mary or Servites. And the seven holy founders of the Servites were canonized in 1887 by Pope Leo XIII. On Wednesday, we have a very beautiful feast, the feast of St. Catherine de Ricci. Catherine was born in Florence in 1522. Her baptismal name was Alexandrina, but she took the name of Catherine upon entering religion. Now, from her earliest years, she manifested or showed a great love of prayer. And when she was only six years of age, her father placed her in the convent of Monticelli in Florence, where her aunt, Luisa, was a nun. After a brief return home, St. Catherine entered the convent of the Dominican nuns at Pratt in Tuscany when she was only 14. While she was very young, she was chosen to be the mistress of novices and then sub-prioress. And then at the grand old age of 25 years, she became the perpetual prioress. Her reputation of sanctity drew many to her side. And she is famous for the ecstasy of passion, which she experienced every Thursday from noon until Friday at 4 p.m. for 12 years. After a long illness, she passed away in 1589. Now, just a little reminder to our romantics out there, Thursday is St. Valentine's Day, at least in the secular world. But in the church's calendar, we celebrate the feasts of St. Cyril and St. Methodius. They were apostles of the Slavs. They were brothers who hailed from Thessalonia. And after receiving an excellent education, they were sent by the Eastern Emperor Michael III into the kingdom of Grand Moravia. Through great effort and in spite of many difficulties, they converted the Slavonic nations. They did this by translating the Bible into Slavonic and devised a kind of writing called Gladglalis, which is still used in the present day in liturgical services of some Eastern rites. On Friday, the 15th of February, we have the Feast of St. Agape. She was a martyr and follower of St. Valentine and belonged to a group of virgins started by St. Valentine. 
A church in Termi was dedicated to her until the 12th century, and she is listed in the early martyrologies. On the 16th of February, Saturday, we have the Feast of St. Elias and Companions Martyrs. St. Elias was an Egyptian martyr with Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah and Samuel. They went to the mines in Cilicia to comfort the Christians held there, but they were arrested at the gate of the mine and they were martyred. The historian Eusebius was in Caesarea in Israel and he gave a vivid account of their martyrdom by torture and beheading. Two others, St. Tancilius and St. Seleucius, were also caught up in that martyrdom, sharing the faith of Elias. Porphy, the servant of Pamphilius, demanded that the bodies of the martyrs be buried and was burned to death as a result in the year 309. And of course, we remember this morning and every morning all those Christian martyrs throughout the world to meet similar fates today. I tell you what, Shane, you got a problem. She's good. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed for sharing that with us this morning. So now Lorraine uh, continues on to share with us from her series on the virtues. Uh, She's already given us, um, I think it's three so far. The fourth one, Lorraine, what have you got for us this morning, please? We are looking this morning at the theological virtue of charity, John. Now our listeners will be tired of listening to me. (laughs) For the last... For the last two weeks, we looked at the first two theological virtues. So the first was faith and the second was hope. So faith, just as a little reminder to ourselves and to our listeners, faith is the virtue by which we believe in God and all that he has said and revealed to us and that the church proposes for our belief because God is truth. And then hope is that virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life with our happiness placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. And today we turn to the last of the theological virtues, which is called charity or love. Now, we remind ourselves again that the theological virtues are those which relate us to God himself. And they're free gifts that God places in our souls or infuses in our souls when we're baptised. So what is charity? That is the virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbour as ourselves for the love of God. Charity is the most important virtue because love is not only essential to how we live, but to who we are. St. Paul reminds us of that in the first letter to the Corinthians. And this is a text that will be very familiar to our listeners. It's usually used um, for weddings and for liturgies like that. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. In other words, we could have all the gifts in the world. We could have the gift of faith so powerful to move mountains or to heal the sick or whatever it might be. But if it's not accompanied by love, it's of no merit to ourselves or to the church. So why is it important? Not only important, why is it essential that we love God above all things for his own sake? Because A, he deserves it, and B, if we love God first and put him at the centre of our lives, 
then all that we do will naturally have their proper order. So we'll love people according to how we're meant to love them. If we love others, either people or things, more than we love God, then those relationships are out of kilter. God has to come first. So we might reflect on that this morning. Do I put God first in every aspect of my life? You see, it's easy to say the prayer, I love you, Jesus, my love above all things. But do I live as if I mean that? And what happens if I don't? And to be honest, most of us will fall short of that type of love. So what do we do when we do fall short? Do we beat ourselves up about it? No. We turn again and again and again to the love and mercy of God. And we ask him to increase that gift of faith, gift of charity within us. As we've seen with the other virtues, the more we put a virtue into practice, the more it becomes second nature to us. So if we start to put God in the first place, in all the little areas of our lives, then it'll be easier to put him in the first place in the bigger areas and vice versa. And that's how the saints lived. Of course, charity is not only a gift, and a gift is something that we might or might not use, but Jesus made charity a new commandment. In fact, he made it the new commandment. St. John's Gospel reminds us that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So we are not only to love God first and foremost, we also have to love each other for the love of God. And why should we love our neighbours? Because they can be really annoying at times. We love our neighbours, we love everybody because God loved us first. By loving one another, the disciples imitate the love of Jesus, which they themselves received. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us while we were still enemies, as we read in the letter to the Romans. In other words, while we were still sinners. And God never stops loving us, no matter how far we've fallen into sin. But he loves us too much to leave us in our sin. He wants us to be with him forever in heaven. And so Jesus tells us to abide in his love. And that's a really important point, to abide in the love of Jesus. Because we receive that first gift of charity when we're baptized, and we stay in that love by following the commandments. The author to the letter of the Romans reminds us as well that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, of course, except for our own free will, because unfortunately, we can choose to live a life that doesn't show love. We can choose not to love, and that can destroy the gift of charity within us. So the only way of restoring that charity then is through the sacrament of reconciliation, which we should never be afraid of, because God is always there waiting for us with open arms, ready to forgive us and to pour his life-giving charity into us once more. And Jesus asks us to imitate him in all things, but especially in loving our enemies. Now, going around with Limerick or wherever we might be listening this morning, we might not have enemies per se, but we may very well have people that we don't get on particularly well with or people that we just hate meeting in the shop, or people that we haven't spoken to in a long time because we're struggling to forgive them over something. We have said it here many times before, we don't necessarily have to like the people we love. To like somebody is a feeling. 
But to love somebody is a choice. It's an act of the will. And we can express that love in many, many ways. St. Paul in the letter to the Corinthians describes charity very well. He says, charity is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful. It's not arrogant or rude. Charity does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Charity bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So it is the greatest of all virtues, because charity gives the other virtues life and inspires them. As St. Augustine says, love is itself the fulfillment of all our works. There is the goal. That is why we run. We run towards it, and once we reach it, in it we shall find rest. And again, as St. Paul reminds us, love never ends. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. So that's our little synopsis, John, on the virtue of charity. And next week, we're going to have a look at some of the human virtues. Thank you for that, Laurie. Now, I just got one one piece of um, a notice before I invite Anne to pray a spiritual communion prayer. And just to note, it's, again, it's a follow-on from a program we done last week in regard to Radio Maria. I just invite listeners, especially those who are at home and lonely, um, if, if they wish, to access Radio Maria on, via your TV. You can go on to Serview, which is where RTE1 is. If you go to RTE1 and go back a channel, you come to page 210, which is Radio Maria. It's on all day long, and in fact, all night long, I believe. Um, but uh, you can get you can listen to Holy Mass uh, at 10 a.m. in the morning. You can get the rosary at 12.30 and 5.30 for evening rosary. might be something that some of our listeners who are lonely and on their own might like to share. So at this part of the program, we'll invite Anne to pray the Spirit of Communion prayer. And this is especially for those who could not receive Jesus in Holy Communion this morning. We'd also include in our Spirit of Communion prayer all those who are sick, lonely or housebound or worried in any way. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul since I now cannot receive you sacramentally come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that. So now we'll go for our first bit of music, which was chosen by Lorraine. And this one is entitled Faith, Hope and Love, and it's by the Bristol Youth Choir.
So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. As I said, my name is John Keeley. As I mentioned in part one of the program this morning, uh, we'll have a special guest to join us in, in, in part two. So it's a great pleasure for me for the first time to welcome and to, uh, and to Come and See Inspirations. Um, Jared Hanley, who's the youth and young adults from the youth and young adults ministry in, in the Mass Centre in Dublin. Good morning to you, Jared. How are you? Good morning, John. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Neil, for joining us. Uh, I, I know you're involved, before we start speaking about other matters, I know you're involved with the Youth and Young Adult Ministry in the Amana Centre in Dublin. What yeah. is that and what do you do and what's involved and so on and so forth, please? Oh, great. Well, I mean, my main role, I came in in May and there was this, Emmaus has a, has a long history of running school retreats. Uh, so my main job is to run the school retreat programs. So we've th- anything from confirmation classes preparing for the confirmation up to leave insert retreat days um so this week we have one second year retreat and three confirmation retreats so um there's uh that's the main work that i do but we also uh run events for young adults such as the first friday of every month we we run an event called burning hearts which is like a prayer meeting we have mass and and then social time afterwards as well for young adults who want to grow in their faith um this weekend actually we're running a men's day as well um, targeted mostly at young men, but open to anyone um, who want men who want to grow in their faith. I think that we live in a time when we re- whether it's young people and and everybody needs support in their faith. But I suppose we're providing a particular emphasis on on helping men to to journey with the Lord. So there are a few things, and then what we're going to be talking about today, obviously, is the Hannah and Dublin event. That was a big event that we ran here at the mm. centre as well. So. Yeah. Kind of open to youth ministry in, in, in whatever way we can help, you know. Lovely job, Jared. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, as you said, we, were go- we are going to start speaking a little bit about World Youth Day 2019. I know you held an event there yourself a few weeks ago, but maybe before we get into that, you might just explain to it, just give our listeners a little bit of an outline what, you, what World Youth Day is all about. Yeah, so World Youth Day is um, just a, a gathering of young people to celebrate their faith uh, throughout the world. And there can be huge gatherings of young people. Like I was, um, I was just looking at some of the figures there and I was saying about 5 million people gathered in, in Manila in the Philippines for World Youth Day in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all began really with Pope John Paul II, who, who, in, who inspired it. Um, there was a gathering of young people in 1984 at the Vatican, around 300,000 people, and he really instigated and called for um, young Catholics to gather on, go on pilgrimage to different parts of the world. And this real international gathering, so it's a, a time of great sort of celebration of culture and faith. And um, yeah, so this last one obviously was in was in Panama, and uh, I know a group went over from from the Archdiocese of Dublin. Um, I haven't actually heard a whole pile of how they got on. I'm sure they had a great time. Mm-hmm. But Panama is obviously a good bit away. And so we decided to hold a, an event in, in Dublin for those who couldn't go, you know. And so the idea there for you guys to hold this event in Dublin was to give some little bit of a flavour uh, as to what happens in World Youth Day. But, of course, taking the opportunity as well to experience maybe catechesis, maybe music and so on and so forth. So... You were involved, uh, I think yourself, in facilitating this event in Dublin. So, what was that? Uh, how was that arranged, or, yeah. or how did you? Yeah, well, well, World Youth Day. Um, it, it's kind of run over the course of a. It says World Youth Day, but really, it's a, it's a celebration that lasts for a few days. And there are some like four elements of World Youth Day that take place. So, catechesis would be a big a, a aspect of World Youth Day. So, there is learning, learning our faith, or being taught our faith. Um, 
like by catechists from like bishops and 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 speakers and priests from all over the world um and then there's like like the stations of the cross would be a big part of it music would be a big part of it and obviously a gathering with mass and then talks from the holy father himself so we what we tried to do was to try and take some of the best parts or some of the main parts of a world youth day experience and and facilitate a world youth day experience at the Emmaus center so we gathered for a 24-hour period and they were on pilgrimage so people came with their sleeping bags and they slept on the floor and uh, we had a great time it was a great celebration we had music with elation ministries and uh, and uh, we, we we streamed or we recorded and showed the pope's talks from his from his opening session um his his address at the vigil and and his homily as well and we we finished we had catechesis throughout the weekend and we had um we finished with mass with with archbishop german martin so it was a really it was a great honor to have him at the center as well to to conclude our celebration with the holy eucharist i mean how many people did you get there uh, Jared, for, for that weekend uh, we had a gathering of about 140 people, oh. so it was a nice gathering. It was a good gathering of of people. Um, we had a, a great number of volunteers and and helpers. People came to uh, lead small groups and uh, help with the setup and registration. As I mean, events like this are are, are a big. Um, there's a lot of organising mm, involved. Yeah. We had a lot of great great volunteers. And a good number of young people came as well, and that's always really encouraging, you know, because when there's, well, I think when young people gather. And they see other young people who yeah. who um, want to celebrate and express and live their faith. It's always encouraging. And you know that word celebrate, it's something that one doesn't hear so much these days in terms of faith. But the little experience that I've had, I mean, I'm a bit too old now to go to World Youth Days. But, oh, by the way, just speaking about age, what sort of age group are, are the participants in World Youth Day? Well, the official World Youth Day age group is actually 16 to 29 Okay, okay. okay. So it's youth and young adults, you know, it's young adults and, and, and youth. So it's, um, that's the official age. That's group. the official, yeah. But just getting yeah. back again to this celebration and you celebrating, I mean, the, the, the bit of experience that I've had myself, I've, I've been um, to Medjugorje a number of times and been to the youth days there. And, mm-hmm. and to me, to see young people really celebrating their faith, listening to the catechesis, maybe. Um, congregating in small little groups and discussing what was said as was maybe the same sort of thing happened with your event yeah de- definitely I mean it was definitely a joy filled event I mean that's one of the themes of Pope Francis's uh, time as Pope that he, he's been talking about the joy of the gospel as we know he's written about it and he's spoken about it And but that's not just sort of um, that's something authentic that's something very real and I think that when you do whether it's say, in Medjugorje at the youth festivals there or gatherings like the small gatherings we had, or even just in, in smaller groups or the big world youth events, that's what really marks out Christianity is is the joy, is the mm. joy of the gospel. And and I think when you taste it and when you see it for what it really is, that authentic joy, I don't think there's any going back. I mean, I've I've tasted it and seen it myself that the joy of of knowing the Lord, and um, and it is it's a one it's it's wonderful and and it's it's so good. You know, it, the gospel is so good. I mean, yes. and. Uh, I'm just yeah. so privileged to be involved in, in in sharing it, you know. Were there any particular parts of, the, of what the Pope said, uh, words that the Pope said that maybe people would have been, yeah, that's lovely, that's good news, that they would have enjoyed or, or maybe yeah. discussed amongst themselves? Yeah, like, I mean, I think that the, the, the main thing with Pope Francis, as far as I can I can see listening to his talks, that he's really just encouraging us to, to open our hearts to God, to mm. open our hearts to the adventure 
um, that he has for us. You know, that, that God wants to bring us on an adventure. And I think young people um, want that. They want an adventure. They want to live an exciting life. And I think that he's encouraging us not to settle for for less than that, for less than the exciting, adventurous life that God wants for us. You know, and like the theme of the of World Youth Day was was dare to say yes, mm. and um, and the, and the theme scripture was, um, you know, let it be done unto me according to your word. And I think the adventure begins with just say, with saying yes to God. And we had Sister Kelly Francis um, on the opening night uh, who who shared with us, who opened up that theme and really just sort of really kind of helped us to say, like, not to be afraid of saying yes. Sometimes I think we can fear saying yes to God, like he wants to, I don't know, have a boring life or mm-hmm. or sort of like take something away from us. But I think that, well, Pope Francis himself has done that, uh, helping us, encouraging us to open our hearts to him and not be afraid to say yes. So Kelly Francis did that. We had, we had Father Patrick Cahill as well, who um, it just it just focused on the person of Jesus and getting to know Him, and it was really encouraging. It's like this, even just the simplicity of our faith of getting to know Him, and um, and then also we had Anna Keegan who shared um, there to live yes uh, to really get involved in, in in living our faith in in real ways, like in the areas of social justice and things like that. So, so that was kind of the the themes that we that kind of were brought out over the weekend here and and from Pope Francis, and um, yeah, the main thing is just. Open, let's open our hearts to God and say yes to Him, you know. And you know, you've you've just said a few times that uh, um, getting to know Jesus is probably a thing that the young people maybe can teach some of us a little bit older, uh, yes. because we tend to stay with the way we were brought up, which wasn't necessarily scripture based. Whereas mm. the young people these days are a little bit more open, and maybe the scriptures are more discussed. Uh, there's lots of lecture divina going on and so on and so forth. So, and, and as you said, catechesis there. So the young people these days are really getting to know this guy, Jesus. And this guy, Jesus, isn't as bad as what some people think. No, no I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the center of our faith. And yeah. I think that un, un, unless he's, 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 he, he remains at the center um, of everything that we do and say, then like our faith will be out of balance. And I know that Archbishop Jeremy Martin, in his homily on on Sunday at our at, at the Emmaus Center, he really just shared on you know well one is we need to decide for our faith, but also that we need to look at Jesus in the Gospels. We need to just even just reading the Gospels, getting to know him. Like I, I and that's how really my relationship with him. Well, I mean, I had encountered him on school retreats. Mm-hmm. Then somebody shared with me just how to get to know Jesus just by reading the Gospels slowly and speaking to him about as I read, because that way I'm in dialogue with him. I'm actually learning about him and I'm listening to what he has to say to me. I'm getting to know him. And by speaking back to him then as well, I'm, I'm developing a relationship, a friendship. And that's that's the center of our faith. And um, everything else tends towards that or should do, you know. Um, and I'd say one of the supports that you have or the young people have is that they're not afraid to share with each other. So, do you know that idea to be speaking to God, speaking, uh, having a conversation with God? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, because like, it, it can be intimidating to open up about your faith. I mean, mm-hmm. some of us, I mean, I've been doing it for years, I suppose, so I have no problem talking about it. I'll talk about it all day. Mm. I do talk about it all day on retreats. But like it is, it can be intimidating. It can be. I remember when I was a teenager, I was petrified of what other people would think about me if I was to open up about my faith and my belief in in Jesus. Um, but then I guess as as I grew older, one, but also as I learned to rely on God more and rely on on the Holy Spirit and and um, his, his you know, I remember someone saying to me once that the the key to courage is being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Mm. And and I really kind of believe that and, and live that. And just ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he'll give me the courage to be a witness, a witness to what I know is true and to what I know is good and to what I'm convicted in my heart that, you know, that, that Jesus is Lord and that, and, and, and that he, um, you know, he, he is the way, you know, he's the way to, to happiness, uh, to ultimate happiness. I think we can look for happiness in all kinds of different places, mm, but, mm. Uh, but he is, you know, he, he is the way to happiness. And I really believe that. So well, one of the things that I noticed there, one of the, uh, as part of the weekend or part of the 24 hours that you had there was, I think you put it down as being acting the stations of the cross. Now we wouldn't, maybe people of our own age wouldn't associate young people and stations of the cross. So you might, mm. you might go through that with us as to how that worked out, the acting the stations of the cross, please. Yeah. Well, we had, I mean, like the stations across, like I said, would be a big part of the world youth day experience. So what we had was we had 14 different small groups who after each talk, would would meet in their small group and discuss the talk or the, the catechists would give two questions to talk about but then as part of that as well they 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 um they came up with a, a small drama to act out one of the stations of the cross hmm. so we marked out the stations we had we had pat reynolds from holy family mission came up and he marked out the stations of the cross outside the grounds here at Emmaus, which are great and we all went on a on a on a we walked the grounds and at each station, a different one of the different small groups would come forward and act out each station. So we had a cross, and we had some very, very simple costumes just to mark out Jesus and Mary. And it was quite moving. We really felt like we were all in it together. We were participating. We were walking the way of Calvary, the, the road that Jesus walked um, for us, before us. And it was quite moving, you know, and, and we were all very much in it together. And I think the fact that we were sort of um, dramatizing them in the small groups just helped that sense of like we're in this together with Christ. So. I was just thinking that, Jed, um, did did all the young people know each other before they come to this event or maybe some of them did and some of them didn't or where did they come from? Or? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, people came from all over. Um, people came from different parts of Ireland. I mean, obviously, most people were from Dublin because uh, the event was sort of hosted or ran by the, the well, between ourselves at Emmaus and the Archdiocese of Dublin or the North Fingal Deanery. So most of the people were from Dublin. People came from all over Ireland as well. And um, yeah, so a lot of people didn't know each other. And that's one of the other things about these gatherings that are, I think, really good and really important that people get to meet new people mm. and make new friends in the faith, people that they didn't even know existed. That's one of the things I always find encouraging about the church is that I'll go to somewhere else in Ireland and I'll meet someone else who's who's also, you know, wants to follow the Lord as best they can. And, and we've got a connection in that straight away. And I think for young people, especially when we when we step out there and when we go to events like this, we meet other young people who sometimes we become very good friends with. And um, so uh, some people would have known, came with groups of friends. Other people came on their own, whole mixture like any other gathering, you know, mm. so everybody was welcome. So if there was people from all parts of Ireland, um, maybe there's somebody listening to this program somewhere. It might be on West Limit 1 or 2 local radio or on the Internet. And um, they might just say to themselves, listen, I might, I might get involved with that at some stage or, or look up a little bit more. Can you tell people how they might be able to contact us to find out what's on at the Emmaus Centre in terms of the youth events and so on and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a website. It's uh, www.emmauscenter.ie. So it's uh, Emmaus, like the road to Emmaus, and mm-hmm. then center.ie. And uh, there's a, we have a Facebook page as well. And, uh, you know, share some of the different programs that we have. 
Um, I'd also like to encourage people to check out and to get involved in New 2000. They run uh, they run retreats all over the, the you know different parts of Ireland, whether it's in Munster there or uh, Leinster and Connacht and Ulster, and then they have national gatherings as well in the summer. They're great gatherings of young people in their faith uh, in the country. And I think one of the things I'd like to encourage young people to do is to seek God and to seek opportunities to encounter him because they are out there but we need to look for them you know it's we need to look for them we need to look for them um, and at the, at the center i mean if there's anybody there who's interested in coming up here on this saturday even a uh, young men um so the men's day is this saturday from 9 9:30 to 2:30 to we're going to show the, the rugby match afterwards as well so don't worry about missing that <laughs> and uh, we've got father charles yeah. benoit actually yeah. going from limerick oh very so good yeah, he's going to do an introduction to Unbound with us. So um, that's going to be this Saturday uh, at the Emmaus Centre. So he's so anyone anyone who fancies the trip up might be an early start coming from Limerick, but you're very welcome. Maybe it'll be worth it. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's so. Happen. So the idea is to check out um, your website. Emmauscentre.ie. and then your Facebook, and then maybe the other, the the other opportunities or channels will be U two thousand. Maybe check out their website, see what might be on around the place. Two thousand Net Ministries, Holy Family Mission, um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm sure there's other there's other uh, initiatives in, in dioceses and things like that. But we just need to seek and, and search and find, you know. Well, maybe we might be able to stay in touch from time to time. You'll be able to give me the other email as to as to what might be on. Just flag a few little events that you might have there. Maybe our listeners might be interested. Yeah, sure, this, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning, Jed. Um, you're very good. I know you're very busy. Um, I'm going to go out with a piece of music uh, again that was um, the theme song actually for this year's World Youth Day 2019 and this one is entitled Here I Am the Servant of the Lord so until next time we speak thank you very much Dave, for sharing us and keep up the good work Thank you John, thanks for having me on We'll speak to you again Jeff. back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined uh, by Anne here in studio and Lorraine's on the phone. Um, someone else out there. 
in County Limerick. Now, just just a little note there uh, in, in regard to Jared Hanley's um, Jared Hanley's interview. He did mention as part of that that there was an event happening this week uh, this weekend in Dublin for men. Well, actually, that was this weekend, which is yesterday, Saturday. So obviously, that doesn't pertain to next weekend. And people might have also heard him say that. Uh, that during the day he was actually doing some catechesis before he joined me well obviously that the interview that i conducted with you was taking place during the week so now as part of our, our third and final part of the program and is going to pray this prayer that we always pray before reading and reflecting on scripture thank you Anne. lord we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets may we approach this word reverently attentively and humbly may we not despise this word but receive all it has to say to us we know that our hearts are closed often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. So now we'll uh, I'll read the Gospel myself, actually, for today. It's the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, and it's taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, it is verse 1 to 11. Jesus was standing one day by the lake of Gennesaret, with the crowd pressing round him, listening to the word of God, when he caught sight of two boats close to the bank. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little more from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking to Simon, he said, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and pay your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll pay out the nets. And when they'd done this, they netted such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signalled to their companions in the other boats to come and help them. When these came, they filled the two boats to sinking point. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at at the knees of Jesus, saying, Leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were completely overcome by the catch they'd made. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, it's men you'll catch. Then bringing their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. So that's the Gospel for today, which is the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, taken from Luke. Lorraine, we've got about seven minutes left, uh, six or seven minutes left. Uh, you could, maybe you might oh, just take one or two of those for me, <laughs> just share something. There's just so much in it, John, isn't there? 
I mean, it's 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 an incredible account first and foremost, um, and I love Saint Peter because he's like one of the lads. Do you know you can really relate to him? Uh, he's there. He's he, he's he's listening to Jesus preach by the side of the lake, and then Jesus comes up to him and says, uh, "You know, can you put out a little a little bit into the lake for us to put out a short distance from the shore?" So Peter does grand, fine, no bother. I'll take you out a little bit, and then. Jesus, after he's preached, after he's spoken the word of God, he invites him to go out a little bit further. He says, put out into the deep and lower your nets for a catch. Now, Simon's been out all night, Simon Peter. He knows full well there is no fish in that lake to be caught in the middle of the day because the fish can see the boat. So they're not going to just jump into the net for you, are they? Or so he thinks. And then he says, Look, Lord, we've been out all night fishing. We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, at your command, I will lower the nets. And then when they did that, he caught the huge amount, so many fish that the nets were beginning to tear. And he is overawed by this moment of divine revelation, this moment where Jesus entered into his life and revealed not only something about himself, as in that Jesus is divine, but revealed to Peter something about himself. He was overawed by the divinity of Jesus and by his own sinfulness, his own humanity, because he thought he knew better than God. And I think if we reflect back on our own lives, we we might have had those Peter moments, those moments where we thought everything was going grand, and then suddenly the Lord allows us to see something about ourselves or about him that literally brings us to our knees, that makes us fall down in adoration before him. And Peter's response is quite human. He says, Lord, leave me for I am a sinful man. And Jesus's response is quite beautiful. He says, do not be afraid. How many times throughout the gospel and throughout scriptures has God said those words to us? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be um, fishers of men or you will capture men. And that word, that verb to capture is in the sense of taking alive and keeping alive. The fishing people of the Lord, all of us who are called to be Christians, let down our nets into the sea and into the world, not to offer people restrictions and commandments, but to offer people life, to rescue them from sin and to make them come back to true life. So Peter and the others and we, and our sailing partners in this world can continue, if we wish, wherever we are, this wonderful mission as sent by the Father to save what is lost. Lorraine, thank you so much for that. Actually, part of my reflection this week, I was reading again uh, Michael de Vertai. I like to read, to, to read Michael's reflections every now and again, and maybe I might share with the listeners this week what he says to us. And he says, the miraculous catch of fish was an historical event in the life of Jesus, but also a symbol of deep conversion experiences, which God grants us from time to time, which sets us on a new course in our lives. These experiences usually occur at times when we feel we're stagnating, as spouses or parents or friends or church leaders, ministers or managers at work. We're toiling all night and catching nothing. Then one day, God sends Jesus to us, and he tells us to put out into the deep, to move into a new and frightening direction. The message might come from a person or a sermon, a book, a TV program, 
a news item in the papers. Sometimes Jesus speaks to us from a negative experience, a failure, rejection, a falling into sin we thought we'd never commit, recognition that we were addicted to drugs, drink or power. We each have our own deep water we must put out into. Be reconciled with someone we refuse to speak to over the years. Give up devotions we love and move to a more contemplative prayer. Start working among the poor. Get involved in the community development. Go back to the school. Join AA. Do a managing counter weekend or a life in the spirit seminar. We put out our objections like Peter. Oh, we've tiled all night. We've tried this before and it didn't work. And so on. But we do it anyway. And it works. Relationships take on a new life. Classes or workplaces become places of inspiration. Our prayer life takes off. So much that our problem now becomes how to cope with all we have to do. And let's begin to tear. We feel overwhelmed. Leave me, Lord, I'm a sinner. We were totally bored. Now have a feeling of awe at the privilege of being a spouse, a parent, a teacher in the classroom or a parish, or just a baptised Christian. We know then that our lives can never be the same again. From now on, it is men you will catch. This must be interpreted correctly. Does, God does not want us to go around trying to catch people. The text means first getting involved with people, not things. And secondly, that our mission in life is to lead one another into God's net. So that we'll all be gathered into his kingdom. The Lord wants us from now on to care for people. To help them to grow in self-esteem. To move away from addictions from abusive marriages, all the different ways in which we need to be brought closer to God and feel safe in his net. This new consciousness means giving up things that we thought were important. And we do it cheerfully, we're not afraid, as we bring our boats back to land without giving them a second thought and leave them there to follow a new way God has called us to do. That's the gospel or the message that I sort of took from the gospel this week. It's full of hope, and I know Peter. Uh, Peter is a friend of a lot of us, really, because he's been there before us, but we still haven't copped on to the fact that we shouldn't get ourselves involved with so many things that Peter did and trying to do it our own way. But thanks be to God, we've got people like Anne here and Lorraine here and, and all the people we meet uh, around us every day to sort of inspire us, to give us, to give us um, courage to move in the way that the Lord wants us to go. So, Lorraine, thanks a lot for jumping into the deep this week and going out and doing both <laughs> the saints for the week and the theological well, virtue. You, you see the way that uh, Peter was asked just to just to put out a little bit into the water first? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was my little bit into the water now. <laughs> You've done very well. Thank you so much indeed. And um, thanks again for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. So now we're going for that final bit of music. And this is, it's entitled Follow Me and it's from Casting Crowns. So, from Anne and from Lorraine and myself this week, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye-bye now. At the end of myself I'm empty and dry I have nothing to give but surrender inside
let down your nets. This is not the end. From now on, you'll be fishers of men. Follow me. Judgment calls out my name. I've been looking for love, but I'm swallowed by shame. Throw away all your stones. Find forgiveness in me. Let me be your new passion. Daughter, you're free. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. At the end of myself, I've done things my own way. This world gave up on me. Now it's death I do pay. You know who I am. I'm sin sacrificed. Today you will be in hell. Just follow me. Follow.